Adam Crowley Show. I've never felt so alive until now. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. LeBron James shut up, he dribbled, and he won the NBA All-Star Game MVP. Thanks for the advice, Laura Ingram. He never could have gotten there without you. Yes, this weekend's NBA All-Star Game was the latest sporting event to be discussed as much for political reasons and the Star Spangled Banner as it was for athletics. Now, the exception was that this time the anthem part wasn't about people sitting during it. The anthem part was about people wanting to run away while it was happening based on how Fergie sang it. Yikes! Is that being performed on national television or at karaoke night after a few glasses of Chardonnay at happy hour with the other gals? We'll get to that a little bit later, but the pregame conversation this weekend in Los Angeles was much less about basketball and much more about how Ingram berated James and Kevin Durant on Fox News last week. I am Tim Benz, and I am in for Adam Crowley today. Uh, If you missed it, Let's play Laura Ingram's rant from Fox News about Kevin Durant and LeBron James, something she ironically called a jum doc alert, or was it jum like J U M B doc D O C? Like I, I didn't know when I wrote a column about this how I should submit it to the edit desk. I guess I'll just let them s- figure it out on their own. But here's how it started, and and you can surf through the details moving forward. All right, we're going to create a new banner. This is a jump doc alert. NBA superstar LeBron James is talking politics again, and this time it's R-rated. Here's his barely intelligible, not to mention ungrammatical, take on President Trump in a new ESPN podcast. The number one job in America, the point of person, is someone who doesn't understand the people and really don't give a f- about the people. But wait, there's more gripping insight. ESPN host Carrie Champion asked James and fellow NBA star Kevin Durant about what she described as Trump's racist comments. I feel like our team as a, as a country is not ran by a great coach. It's not even a surprise when he says something. It's not even surprising. It's like laughable. It's like it's that's laughable. Bad. It's laughable and it's but it, scary. But it's also scary right, because right. I shouldn't be numb to your racist right, comments. Right. Right. I shouldn't yeah. be numb to your behavior. I'm numb to this commentary. Like, must they run their mouths like that? Unfortunately, a lot of kids and some adults take these ignorant comments seriously. Look, there might be a cautionary lesson in LeBron for kids. This is what happens when you attempt to leave high school a year early to join the NBA. And it's always unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball. Oh, and LeBron and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. I'm still trying to get over the fact that Kevin Durant said, I feel like our country is not ran by a great coach. Does that mean I should go, go for a ran tomorrow morning before my radio show? Oh, my goodness. I'm still trying to get over Jum Doc, but that's all right. Jum Doc alert. Yeah. All right. Um, ironically, 
the key phrases were barely intelligible, ungrammatical. Oh, and they. That's my favorite. Do they really need to say such things? Now, one point to clear up, that was on the uninterrupted, which is not like directly an ESPN podcast. Kerry Champion works for ESPN. I, I've never heard of the uninterrupted. I didn't even know what it was. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's sort of like Jerry Seinfeld's comedians in cars having coffee, except like less funny and with better jump shots. That's more or less what it is. Now, the interview did swerve into the lane of politics, as you heard there, as they bashed Trump, Durant, and James. And you heard some of her little buzz phrases like, it's unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a basketball. Keep the political commentary to yourself and shut up and dribble. Ding, 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 ding. There it is. I'll take political code speak for 1,000, Alex. You know, if the Colin Kaepernick anthem drama taught us anything, phrases such as keep the politics to yourself or shut up and play really mean something else. What they mean is don't talk politics if your politics are different from mine. Now, that goes for both the far left and the far right. And believe me, if anybody knows that sensation, it's yours truly. I know firsthand. When I've spoken out about the need for increased gun control, I've taken heat from the right. When I was critical of Colin Kaepernick for conflating his stance on social issues with the anthem, I took heat from the left. Go on Twitter sometime. What used to be viewed as, quote, healthy political discourse has been replaced by jumping into my social media echo chamber so I can have other people tell me what I think is right and that the other side is full of idiots. That's what this means now. 412-922-2874. That's what she meant there. She didn't mean keep sports out of politics. What she meant was keep sports out of politics that the sports figures involved have different politics than me. That's what she meant. You know, and that's just galling hypocrisy coming from Fox News. Fox's point here was that sports figures should stay silent on political and social matters. Unless, of course, the opinions being expressed advance a conservative agenda. Like when they put Kurt Schilling on the air, or Bob Knight, or Joe Namath talking about North Korea. Kim Jong-un, I like And how about when they put on Chuck Norris, or Kid Rock, or Dog the Bounty Hunter, or Fabio? Thanks to the Twitter feed of Eagles defensive lineman Chris Long for coming up with those screenshots, by the way. Those little reminders. Him and his Twitter followers. And like, didn't Chachi speak at the Republican National Convention? Don't I remember that in the deep, dark recesses of my mind? Was he before or after the Duck Dynasty guy? I don't remember. Now, to be frank... I'm not really interested in LeBron's hot takes on social matters either. But any opinions that he has on race relations are going to resonate more with me than NamUs views on North Korea, just as a for instance. 
you know, LeBron talking about being a minority in America at least has some relevance as opposed to Joe Namath talking about how the Chinese should get involved or not get involved in the North Korea situation. That's the main point here. If you don't value a sports figure's political opinions because you view them as being uneducated, blow them off. It's easy. Don't pay attention. Don't click the link. Change the channel. But if they're asked, they have the right to answer. And shut up and dribble isn't an appropriate response unless you're also going to tell Ted Nugent to shut up and play cat scratch fever. Sure, I, I assume many sports fans would rather have politics and sports be separate entities. Yet the louder many sports fans would rather have politics and sports be separated. Let me rephrase. Let me let me let me, let me kind of walk that back. Like the political talking heads like Laura Ingram they yell at athletes to stay out of their treehouse like she's doing right here. That's what this is. Stay out of my treehouse. The more they do that, the more the two topics intersect. Like, for instance, if it weren't from Ingram's diatribe about how sports on a political outlet should not be drawn together, I mean, I never would have thought to click on that uninterrupted link. Like, full disclosure here, I had no idea Champion even did those interviews, nor would I have cared to seek out an avenue to get LeBron's gripping socio-political commentary. Also, like the Kaepernick anthem debate was just starting to fade when Trump ramped it back up again during that Alabama rally in September. The news cycle had crested. It was about a week away from becoming a secondary topic. The players would have moved on from the protest, which eventually happened anyway. The next thing you know, though, Trump is doing his you're fired bit and Mike Pence is in Indianapolis doing his staged walkout routine. Even during his campaign, Trump was name dropping every NFL quarterback he could think of as a friend. Remember, like Roethlisberger was his friend. Tom Brady had a make America great hat again in his locker. He's his friend. He even went so far as to rope in Joe Paterno. Remember that, Tom? Do we have that clip from him or no? I don't know if we got the clip or not of him talking about Joe Paterno here in Pittsburgh. Paterno had been dead for four years by that point. You want to keep sports figures out of politics, Laura? Fine. That'll never happen, but I'll play along. Just make it all sports figures then, not only the ones you don't like. And if you're going to do that, then keep your politics out of my sports in exchange. If you want to make that deal, I'll make that deal with you. If you want athletes to not talk publicly about politics, I won't talk about it. I won't pay it a lot of I don't. I don't pay it a lot of attention. I didn't do a ton on the whole Kaepernick thing until Trump forced it to be a major issue. And you got the vice president there in Indianapolis on the taxpayer's dime with extra security staging a false protest. You know, and, and that's the, the great irony to all this. It really is. Is that you're griping about the intersection of these two different worlds, and it only got magnified when the politicians started fanning the flames. 
And it only got, I think, pointed out to the degree that it did by liberals who don't tend to agree with your point of view because you've had so many people on that network who are maybe even less qualified to be talking about the things that they are than LeBron and Kevin Durant are talking about race. 412-922-2874. Let's go to Jim in Florida first. Go ahead, Jim. Jim, you're on. Okay, Jim going one. Can you hear us or not? All right, Jim's not paying attention. Mr. Richard, go ahead, you're on. I'm paying attention. Go ahead. You know what I get out of what you were saying? I don't know. I've heard them say before. I don't know that you said it. I've heard them say that was a racist comment to LeBron. No, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. I actually didn't say race at all intentionally because those that did that did nothing but shum the waters for her and the other Fox News ilk to make it into a racial situation. I avoided saying anything about race for that exact reason because. There's nothing to do with race. I, okay, I but then why then why are you bringing it up? Like I didn't say anything about race. Some, I heard somebody else say it. I oh, okay, well I didn't say it. So so respond to what I said and not the they that you're talking about. Okay, but you played that clip from her. I wanted to respond to that. What she was saying, her intention was that she's a lot smarter than them. That athletes are dumb because she brought out Kevin Durant. And, yeah, she made fun and, about how they talked a minute after she stumbled through dumb jock. Yes, I, I'm aware. What he said was uh, she was correcting his grammar when she was well, making fun of his grammar because he said, I should have uh, Yes, I was there. I heard it. Yes, she made fun of his grammar. Right. I should have run. Okay, but as far as I think she has every right to say what she's doing because... Yeah, she's got a right, and I can blast her for it, just like she has the right to blast LeBron and Kevin Durant. But if you think the point of what she was saying has merit, just because she's picking on their grammar, that's no better than some schmuck on Twitter just surfing through everybody else's comments and correcting T-H-E-R-E from T-H-E-I-R. That's basically what she did on a national network, please. And if you don't think there was some sort of element of race behind that, yeah, then we could go down that path. Jim. Go ahead. You're on the Crowley Show. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. How are hey, you? Listen, uh, you know, I, I got to kindly disagree with, with your with your thoughts on this. Where, you know, Ingram has the right to say what she wants to say. I don't know if you, how many times you spent listening to her show, but she brings in both sides almost every time. I think she does. Making, yes, she does. There's always point counterpoint. If you ever spent any time watching, and sometimes did she hear? It's aggravating. Oh, oh, okay, did she hear? No, this was a monologue, and, and, and I get what you're coming from. Okay, well, did I did I say, hold on, did I say anything else about her as a host, her as a person, or was I talking about this specific rant? No, you're talking about this rant, and, and, and let me be clear. Um, it, it is a both-sided rant. I mean, I think her comments were more directed as, at LeBron's behavior when he was on camera and dropping the F-bombs, and, and to insinuate it was racist is just a, a really... Who a, did that? But I didn't bring up race. See, you're, it, you're it doing just, the same thing with the other no, no, guy no, no, I just no. did. Listen, you, you just did. Well, I just did because that's the path he went down. I avoided the race card because that's all anybody on the right is going to cling on to from this debate because it's a hot button. Let's talk about what it the is. merits of what she said, and let's talk about the merits of what her network did here. Her network yeah. is blasting two guys who are athletes talking about politics when they're the friggin' Duck Dynasty guy at the RNC. You tell me about the irony there. Listen, 
obviously, you know, we're, we're on different sides of the political fence here, and I get that. And LeBron has every right to say what LeBron wants to say. My complaint with people like LeBron or any other celebrity that talks about Trump or any of our politicians is have they spent 10 minutes at a table talking to the man before they... No, uh, but I mean, I haven't spent 10 minutes at a table talking with Mike Tomlin. Should I not talk about the Steelers? I mean, no, how, many not, people have, how, how many people have 10 minutes at a table with the president? When does that ever happen? Well, LeBron's a friend no, my point. You don't think that if LeBron's people wanted, wanted to try to trump it and get the two of them together that, that they would never sit down? I think it probably would happen. Well, I know I, it would I happen do. with Brady because he's his friend. 412-922-2874. Why? What? So you think that if LeBron were to sit down with Trump, they'd walk away and sing Kumbaya and be on the same political page? I mean, give me a break. You know, honestly, I mean, like, some of this conversation already is blowing me away. I mean, what she said blew me away. And now the response that I've got, like, how do you defend the irony of what took place there? You can't tell me to keep sports and celebrity and entertainment and politics all separate when you've commingled them to the point that, you know, you got friggin' Chuck Norris talking about climate change. How is Chuck Norris more apt to talk about global warming than Kevin Durant is to talk about society and race relations? And you're going to blast them for that? Friggin' hypocrites. 412-922-2874 or tweet me at Tim Benz PGH. All right, we come back. I think... Both Republicans and Democrats can agree on this. Fergie should never sing the national anthem again. Oh, everyone should have protested that anthem. If you haven't heard it, it's next. We'll get through as much of it as we can together because the nation needs to heal. That's coming up. Tim Benson for Crowley. Jump dock alert. I went to school in this state, right? We know that, right? So I know... I know a lot about Pennsylvania, and it's great. How's Joe Paterno? Are we going to bring that back? Right? How about, how about that whole, how about that whole deal? And we do love Penn State. Do we love Penn State? I mean, in all fairness. We love Penn State, but we love Pittsburgh, right? I, that's the clip I was talking about. Can, can you re-rack that again? Play that, play that again. If you can, I, I just laugh every time I hear it. Play it one more time. I went to school in this state, mm-hmm. right? We know that, right? So I know, I know a lot about Pennsylvania, okay. and it's great. How's Joe Paterno? Are we gonna bring him back? He's no, he's dead. You can't bring him back. He's how about dead. how about that whole how about that whole deal? How about that whole deal, huh? How about that? Whole we deal? do love Penn State. Do we love Penn State? No. I mean, Actually, a lot of us don't. <laughs> no, we, we hate love Penn, Penn State, State. A lot of us, but we love Pittsburgh, right? Oh yeah, I love Pittsburgh. All right, yeah, go Stillers and that. See, that's that's what I'm talking about. If she wants, if Laura Ingram wants sports out of politics, and she wants the sports boys out of her treehouse, then keep the politicians away from my sports. That's the exchange that I'm demanding here. If you're going to be judgmental, and how about the guy who called up before and said that she's she brings in both sides to every discussion? Laura Ingram. I mean, 
what, because she says she does, you believe it? That's like when Fox, Fox News dropped fair and balanced, right? They got rid of fair and balanced. But them say that they were fair and balanced, just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. That's like me saying I'm tall, dark, and handsome. Like, you're going to believe me just because I said it? <laughs> no, it's not true. It's like Neil Huntington saying that they're going to compete this year. It's, just, it's not true. All right, now, like I said before the commercial break, by the way, Tim in for Adam today. And if you're just tuning in, what we were talking about before, um, we were discussing Laura Ingram's comments about LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and she was all upset because athletes shouldn't be talking about politics. And my response to that is, okay, well, then keep the politicians away from sports. If that's how you want to be, and if that's how you want to be, then make sure, you know, Freaking Joe Namath isn't talking about international relations. And by the way, I would, to Laura Ingram's credit, I, I think I'd probably rather kiss Susie Colbert, but I mean, Laura Ingram's not that far behind. Now, my tongue might get forked after I do it, but I would feel, you know, my, my hands might turn to hooves, but I, you know, I'd give it a shot. I wouldn't be that turned off by the notion. But anyway, back to the thought already in progress. Um, in this age of political divide, in these uncomfortable Republican versus Democrat times in which we live, there are a few moments that can bring us together, particularly when it comes to the issue of the national anthem. And by the way, you can call in about the Laura Ingram thing or the Pirates, the Penguins, anything we've talked about so far, Steeler-related topics, 412-922-2874. But rare has been the case with anything remotely associated with the anthem in the past year plus. Rare has been the time where everybody has been on the same page until yesterday. When Fergie sang the national anthem before the NBA All-Star game. And uh, I don't know what like the proper protocol is for this. Like, Tom, you tell me, are there edicts about how we're supposed to handle this? Like, if I play the national, an- national anthem, do I have to play it completely through? Or can we sort of stop and start along the way? Or... What what are the rules and regs here? Do we know? Uh, we should play it all the way through. We could probably talk while it's going on, though. No, um, okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're not supposed to talk over it, right? I think we have to stop it. You can't? Okay. No, we can do it. We can talk okay. over it. All right, fine. Just make sure you're standing. I, I will stand. I okay. won't kneel. But like many people in the Staples Center yesterday, they tried to run. And I can't blame them. So... Again, I have not seen anybody on either side of the fence say, you know what, that was a bang-up job by Fergie. Even Fergie, actually, wait, hold on, I've got the statement here. I've got the statement. If you've heard it already, this is what she said, and I will sort of preemptively give you her comment to TMZ. This is a couple hours ago now, two hours ago. I've always been honored and proud to perform the National Anthem, and last night I wanted to try something special for the NBA. I'm a risk-taker artistically, but clearly... This rendition didn't strike the intended tone. I love this country, and honestly, I tried my best. Uh, you, you tried too hard is what you did. Is you, you just you tried too hard. All right, now we're going to play it, okay? And um, I'll give you a chance. I'll just give people 30 more seconds so they can run to the bathroom, maybe pull off at a get-go if they need to, uh, get some popcorn, uh, maybe a well-done steak, because th- that's how long this is going to take to get through. Now, I don't know if she was influenced by what she saw in the betting lines for pink for the uh, Super Bowl, 
but you kind of got the impression that she got the whiff that 212 was going to be the over-under, and she just wanted to make sure she blew through it and she bet the house on herself for the over. Which, by the way, is the easiest bet to win in sports. Like, is there anything easier to do than throw off the gambling line of the over-under for the anthem if you are the anthem singer or you are that person's manager? You bet you're, you know what the rehearsal time is. And if you, have you seen the release footage of this? Oh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself too much now. All right, I'm just going to play it, and then I'll give you a little tidbit about the rehearsal footage that came out if you haven't heard it yet. So here's Fergie with the national anthem before the NBA All-Star game yesterday. That's where the players lost it, right there. I love some of the tweets that came out. Let's play some basketball, by the way. You know, the funniest thing about that part is it's a direct homage to Frank Drebin during the Naked Gun, and Frank did it better. <laughs> Frank did it better than Fergie. I-, I loved some of the tweets that came out afterwards. Not only just the uh, memes of all the basketball players. It-, it was borderline Carl Lewis with Derek Coleman kind of putting his lip on his know, and Derek Coleman gave himself a bloody lip when Carl Lewis was singing the national anthem. He was biting down so hard onto his jumpsuit, trying not to laugh. Like, Carl Lewis, you're off the hook. Roseanne, you're off the hook. You know, at least she didn't grab her crotch and spit. But, you know, some of the tweets that came out for, like, Pablo Torre, shout out to Fergie for using the national anthem to finally unify a divided country. Uh, this one came from uh, DJ Candlist. Fergie National Anthem remix is better than the original. <laughs> Sean Salisbury, I got cauliflower ear listening to the Fergie National Anthem. 
Molly McKnight, who wrote a book about the Dodgers. I've seen the national anthem performed hundreds of times, but never in the key of happy birthday, Mr. President. Congrats. It was a beautiful one. I don't know who tweeted it out, but something to the effect of congratulations on my mom's drunk friend for singing the national anthem before the NBA All-Star Game. That's what it was. It was your mom's drunk friend, Chardonnay, happy hour. Like, how do you take the word banner and make it a seven-syllable word? I, I've never even heard of such a concept. I didn't even know you could do that. But if you go online, I think Barstool has it. If you want a little comic relief after this, if you go online, somehow footage got leaked of her rehearsing it. And it's only like a 12-second vine. All right? So it's like the last 12 seconds of her rehearsal, like the end like where she really tried to punctuate it and she sounded like she stepped on a tack. But she hits the note and then she looks at someone in the stands and kind of gives it the cut sign, like shakes her head like, no, 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 like I shouldn't do this. Like, um, Sort of like the Tom Brady trick play in the Super Bowl. Where like, you know, if they tried it, the Patriots tried it a couple times and they're like, no, I don't think this is going to work. And then you call it in the huddle anyway. Or like when Antonio Brown rolled out against the Patriots a couple years ago and threw it with his, oh, it's exactly what it was. This didn't work any time we ran it, but we're going to do it anyway. And that's what she did. And that's what you heard. Wow. I mean, that's going to go down in infamy. 412-922-2874. When we come back, Matt Williamson joins us. He will also sing the national anthem, and then we will talk about the Steelers. That's coming up next. Tim Ben's in for Adam. DJ Cool should have done the national anthem. I'd have been happier with that. The Rochester Red Wings tweeted, This Justin Fergie will not sing our national anthem on our opening day. About 40,000 people tweeted something to the effect of, that was so bad, Colin Kaepernick had to stand. Then I saw one that said, did Fergie save the queen at the end of the NBA All-Star Game? (laughs) Jacob, go ahead. You're on. Jacob, are you there? Yes, I'm here, yeah. Go ahead. Um, Hey, Tim, I've been a... I've been a fan of yours for years. I, I used to listen to you when, um, uh, I believe it was uh, Tim and Bob, the Tim and Bob show. On the X, yes. Years ago. Uh, yes. Uh, anyways, I, I'm I'm in the process right now of driving from Indiana to Pennsylvania, and I was happening to listen to you, and I heard uh, that national anthem, and I <laughs> I about lost it in my car. Uh, it, it was just... It was atrocious. You know, it, the amazing thing was it was two minutes and 40 seconds, and it sounded like it was six and a half minutes long. Well, I mean, there, there were syllables that felt like lasted two minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Jacob. We have Matt? Okay. Matt Williamson joins us right now from the Locked On NFL podcast. He is also a member of SNR, and you can hear him with me on 970 throughout the course of the football season. You can check him out on our Wednesday show, Countdown to Kickoff, and Matt joins us right now. Matt, uh, do you recall a worse national anthem than uh, Fergie's, one that you saw in person anyway? (laughs) I didn't see this one, and I have no desire to watch it. 
I never watch All-Star games to begin with, but clearly there is a buzz, and a bunch of my buddies were texting it to me, and I guess I'm going to have to hit play on it and see what it's all about. You are. Uh, the National Anthem probably will last as long as our discussion. That's how much it dragged <laughs> on. But, um, yeah, let's just say Fergie probably won't be at Heinz Field anytime soon. Uh, you tell me, when it comes to free agents that are out there for the Steelers, had this conversation with Dale earlier, do you see one that jumps out at you that will be at Heinz Field anytime soon? I think there's a handful of good candidates at the safety, preferably free safety position, and inside linebacker. Um, I'm coming more and more to the conclusion that the Steelers, after all their moves are made to you know with some releases and those type of things, probably are going to have to add two players at both those positions and maybe with differing skill sets. And the more I watch Sean Davis, I don't know that he deserves to automatically get penciled in as a strong safety starter. So, I mean, even if you were to get a a free safety type, maybe you grab another guy in the draft in the second round. So I don't know that those needs are going to be totally fulfilled in free agency. I think it's going to have to be a combination of the two. So when I look at free agent safeties that are available, the three names that tend to get thrown around the most seem to be Ricardo Allen, LaMarcus Joyner, and Morgan Burnett. Uh, Burnett is from the Packers, Joyner from the Rams, and Allen from a restricted free agent from the Falcons. But I seem to think that the more likely targets might be Trey Boston from the Chargers or Eric Reed from San Fran or even Kenny Vaccaro from the Saints. How about you? Yeah, those are really good names, and I kind of am on the main, on, on the same page as you. Usually, it's not a good good idea to go after restricted free agents. You know, Allen's a starter; he may end up costing you a second round pick to sign him. In addition to what you sign him to, uh, I would think that probably won't be an option. Um, I really like the Boston idea. Um, he's probably the least player of those guys. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. But for the Buck, I mean, he's really a true free safety. Not the most physical guy, but he's still really young, coming off his best year. He's a single high player that isn't going to break the bank for you. I really like Reed a lot. I'm just wondering what the price tag on on him will be. A lot more versatile, more talented, better size. Um, The Niners have a lot of money. Are they going to let him leave? I would love to see Reed here. I mean, to me, that would be a home run if it, the price isn't astronomical. Um, can I, but, can I, I give you a quick scouting report on Reed? Can I give you a quick scouting report on Reed and you tell me if it locks in with what you think? Sure. All right, uh, this is from uh, WalterFootball.com. Um, okay. Eric Reed, do you know them, by the way? Yeah, I'm familiar. Okay, all right, you tell me if this is valid at all. Eric Reed has missed 12 games the past two seasons, but he's too talented not to grade highly. Reed misses tackles but happens to be excellent in coverage. He's only 26, and there's still lots of room for improvement. Where is that right? Where is it wrong? Yeah, I don't think that – I don't have a big discrepancy with that. I mean, he didn't go super in-depth. Guy's still young. He's a former first-round pick. I think he could play near the line of scrimmage. I think he could be in a, a, a single-high situation. I think he could be in a too-deep situation and not be a liability in any more upside. I mean, his best football might be yet to come, kind of as Walter implied here. Um, hasn't been on some great teams. So, yeah, I, I like that I like that idea. I mean, I'm cool with that. Now, on the inside linebacker front, there are lots of familiar names, but they're, in a lot of cases, old. A lot of cases, not as fast as they used to be. And a lot of cases probably would cost more than what the Steelers want to get them because of name recognition. And the three names that leap to mind in that regard are 
Bowman, Puzlozny, and Derek Johnson. I don't think any of those guys fit. How about you? Yeah, I don't love it. Well, they fit if you're adding a first-round pick there as well. You know what I mean? Like, you'd love to have Puzlozny or all three of those guys in the linebacker room to ask, act as a mentor, to play limited snaps. But you're right. None of them are superstars anymore, and they've all had very good careers. Bowman, to me, is probably the best player of the group, and, and I thought he played very well down the stretch in a new home in Oakland. Um, to me, he's the most every downish of those groups. Paul isn't anymore. I mean, he got kind of washed out by two really active linebackers and Tevin Smith and Miles Jack, but he's lost a step. Um, and you kind of already have that guy in Vince Williams. But again, I'd love to have Puzlesny in the room and as a mentor and play limited snaps. And that's basically my case with all those guys. But of the three of them, who do I want as my opening day starter of them? I would pick Bowman. As sort of a barometer here, uh, Mason Foster is a guy that some people thought might get a good buck on the free agent market, and he re-signed with the Redskins, I believe, for two years, yeah. $7 million. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I think some other guys will make more than him. You know, like when we were talking, when he was on the open market, I probably had eight linebacker names that I valued more than him, and that's not a knock on him. He's a, an okay starter. You know, I like Avery Williamson better. No relation, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> Nigel Bradham. I mean, some of those. There's some guys that can run that are out there. Demario Davis, and I do think there's a good chance the Steelers' first round pick is going to be an inside linebacker. Yeah, Avery Williamson is a guy that uh, Dale brought up before. Uh, inside linebacker with the Titans. I think he's like 26 years old, 25 yep. years old, something like that. And um, but again, he's he's sort of more of like a run stuffer, right? Isn't he more akin to Vince Williams than he would be to Ryan Chazier? I would say he would kind of fall right in the middle of those two. In that he can run, he can play every down. Um, he's not going to make you forget Chazier, but he's solid in all facets. Um, very certainly a good run stuffer, but he's not a 240-pound dude with a neck roll that can only go between the tackles. Matt Williamson with us. He is going to be – well, I, I should ask you, Matt, are you going to be part of our uh, coverage from the Combine? Yes. Dale and I are driving down, and we will be there, uh, what, we're going to be broadcasting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then heading home. Excellent. All right, so the biggest thing you will be watching for is what at the Combine? Give me give me something from a Steeler point of view and then for your national stuff that you do for the Lockdown NFL podcast. Well, I've realized last year was the first year I've went down, I've been to the Combine as a media member. And I realized that I learn less about the what goes on in the drills while I'm there as a media member than if I'm sitting on my couch. So, you know, I, I will see the numbers, but I won't watch any of the drills. I'll do that all when I get home. Usually in the past, I would sit there and watch all the coverage. And so I'll be getting a lot of secondhand information. But what's really cool from what we do is we pull Greg Cosell, Matthew Barry. I mean, whoever walks by that I happen to know, I just grab them and we sit down and chat with them. So you learn a lot just being there on Radio Row from a lot of different people around the national scene. Matt, let's talk about the quarterbacks. And again, I'm going to split this conversation into the kind of Steelers prong and then the national prong, so to speak, because I know the quarterbacks are going to get so much attention, really, especially now with the news that Roethlisberger is likely going to try to extend his career here in Pittsburgh. Uh, they're not looking at Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold or anything like that. Um, how have you had? Do you have a different opinion now of this quarterback class than you had, perhaps, say back in September? 
I mean, I know it better. I'm doing a lot more homework on it. It does seem like a pretty deep group. There isn't one that I'm smitten with at the top of the draft by any stretch. I would be concerned if I were the Giants, you know, one of these teams that may or may not take one, Denver, somebody like that. I mean, I, I would be uh, – to jump in the deep end with one of these guys right now would be a little frightening. And to be honest, from where the Steelers sit – Unless somebody really blows your doors off, you have a second-round grade on him, and he's sitting there at the end of the third or fourth, I think you just take you just don't address that position at all, and you go with the same three you have. If the Browns are still sitting there at pick four after going at pick one with somebody, and Saquon Barkley is still there, they have to take him, right? I mean, can, I would. Can Saquon? Like I saw a mock draft, Matt, earlier. Uh, I guess it was at the end of last week that had Barkley at eleven. He, there can't be 10 picks before you go to Saquon Barkley, can there be? I can't believe that either. I mean, I know the whole philosophy of you don't draft running backs high, but look at the last three years. I mean, Gurley, Zeke, Fournette, McCaffrey, everyone that's been picked high is hit, and they've all been successful, and all their teams are happy they did it, and he's better than all of them. I mean, I absolutely believe that. He's the best running back prospect I've ever seen, and I know this isn't what you asked me, but... The two guys that stand out in this draft to me, I always do this. This time of year, I'm always like, if you had to put a dollar down on one guy in this draft who's going to the Hall of Fame, who would you pick? I would take Barkley, and I would take the guard, Quentin Nelson. And I know those aren't flashy picks, and you never take a guard in the top five. You never take a running back in the top five. Those guys are as sure of bets as I can remember. Who was your dollar on last year? Who was my dollar on last year? I'd have to, I'm trying to think who the rookie class say, was last Say year. Alvin Kamara, even if you don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, well, actually, since we brought up running backs. No, Miles Garrett. Miles I, I Garrett? Okay. Yeah, All right. Um, since we're talking about running backs, do you think the Steelers franchise Bell, extend him long-term, or have him walk in free agency? I hope they don't extend him long-term. To me, that's the wrong answer. I know that's not exactly how you asked it, but to me, that's the wrong answer. Well, can I give you what the results were of a poll that I ran? Sure. Okay, so I did it that exact way. I split it three ways, and I'm going to talk about this at the top of the hour a little bit more in depth, but I'll give people a preview here. The results went like this. Sign him long-term, 35%. Have him walk in free agency, 34%. Franchise him, 31%. So it was practically a third each way. And I think the moral of the story there is, Matt, two-thirds of Pittsburghers would prefer that a guy who has 4,300 combined yards over the last two-plus seasons not get signed to a long-term contract. How about that? Yeah, and I'm, a, I'm part of them, to be very honest. I mean, to me, this is an easy one. I would franchise them, and I would listen to offers. I mean, that doesn't mean that I would take them, but while he's under the franchise tag, you could still trade him. I would be interested in what somebody would offer me. And I think there's some teams out there with an extreme amount of cap space, that if you could turn him into, you know, thirteen, fourteen million of money to spend on safeties and linebackers that we've talked about, and you can get some decent draft capital, I think I make that move. The other off ramp from the draft that I said I get to is what it means to the Steelers. Have you gotten any sort of a preliminary primer on who should get us the most excited at either inside linebacker or safety? The name that all the people that are into the draft right now are, are checking out all the mocks, as they should. That's fun. And you're going to see Evan's name there an awful lot from Alabama. I'm sure you're familiar with him yep. by now. At least to That's that the level. name I see over and over again. Yep. Yep. He's the most common name going to the Steelers. 
I don't think he's going to be there. And so I think all these people are like, oh, we'll get Evans, and that'll be great, and then we'll take a safety. And I think his stock is rising, and it's about to rise even more in the next couple of weeks, that I don't think he gets out of the top 25 or so. If I had to put a chip down now, who do I think the Steelers' first-round pick will be? It would be Luther Vanderesh from Boise State. And there's five people out there that haven't heard that name. He kind of looks like Brian Urlacher, and he kind of plays like him. Is that too big or no? No. I mean, not if you can move, and he can move, and he's highly productive, and you know, maybe he can line up over the tight end at times. I like the player a lot. Lastly, Matt, um, the running back by committee thing. If they don't keep Bell long-term, how long does it take to build a good committee? I think some people suggest it's a little easier said than done, and, and I'm in that group. I mean, the mm, Patriots, I disagree. The Patriots committee started in 2014. It, it took a little while. Yeah, but the Eagles was overnight. I mean, you know, there's it, because of what's out there, I don't think it's that hard to do. But I also think it would be a mistake if you include Connor in that committee. So, see, I want Connor to, no matter what happens to Bell, I want Connor to be the third running back on the depth chart next year, no matter what. Not that he didn't look good. I just don't trust that he can play. That he can play, and he's always hurt. So, if you were to let Bell go and you open up a lot of cap space, you could sign Carlos Hyde, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Crowell. You know, and I can name two or three others that are deserve carries in our NFL backs. And then this is a really, really deep running back class. So, Sony Michelle at the end of first round, you know, I mean, or second or third round guys. You're going to get quality guys. So, I think if you bump Connor, if you look at Connor as your three, it's guys like Toussaint are not here anymore, and you add two, or if you keep Bell, you use a third round pick on a running back. I think that's the strategy. Matt, thanks. We'll look forward to your coverage from Indianapolis. All right, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it, too. All right, that is Matt Williamson, who, like I said, will be with us and on SNR from Indy for the Combine. Uh, I'll get into that Lev Bell conversation. I wrote about it today for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. I'll give you some thoughts there. Interesting comments from Matt about the back-by-committee stuff. Maybe we'll dive into those as well a bit further. Tim Benz in for Adam, and we're taking you forward for one more hour here up until 7 o'clock. Covering the Penguins on and off the ice. Your home of the Pens, ESPN Pittsburgh.